This is an ABC podcast. I felt broken. I felt like there was something wrong with me fundamentally inside. If you don't want sex, it's because the patriarchy has brainwashed you. I would be happy to never have sex again. It's not something I ever really think about in my life. I don't have sexual attraction to people and I don't have romantic attraction to people either. Sex, culturally, is an almighty preoccupation. We fetishise it, demonise and glamorise it. The messages we're fed scream that without sex, the world is colourless, bloodless and flaccid. But is that the truth? What is it like to feel very little or no sexual attraction at all? This episode of Ladies We Need to Talk is brought to you by the letter A in LGBTQIA. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about asexuality. Asexuals, known as aces, experience little or no sexual attraction. But here's the thing we're going to start to understand today. Asexuality isn't a one-size-fits-all kind of jumpsuit that you zip up to your neck and that keeps your genitals tucked out of reach forever. Some aces never feel sexual attraction. Others totally do feel it, sometimes. Some are looking for love without sex. Others don't want either. So how many of us are asexual? The second Australian study of health and relationships, which surveyed around 20,000 people, showed that less than 1% of people say they have never felt sexual attraction. But researchers say that number could be inaccurate because people who aren't interested in sex are probably less likely to participate in a study about sex. Here at Ladies We Need To Talk, we're often lamenting all the sex ed that we missed out on at high school because it was not taught. Well, let's think of this episode as the asex ed we never got ever. Hands up, class, if you know what an allosexual is. An allosexual is someone who feels sexual attraction to another person. In other words, the majority of us humans who get horny and do horny things. And if you find yourself in the allosexual category, you've probably never had to think twice about what it's like to be asexual. I experience romantic attraction. I experience aesthetic attraction. You know, there are people that I find attractive, but I don't experience sexual attraction. Meet Angela Chen. She's the author of a book about asexuality called Ace. She's also asexual. When I was 14 or so, I came across the word asexual and the definition, someone who doesn't experience sexual attraction. And I just thought it was an interesting piece of trivia. And I didn't think that I was ace. I thought that I was a straight woman. 
In her 20s, after a couple of serious relationships, Angela realised she viewed the world differently to allosexuals. While she had enjoyed sex, she came to understand that she had never felt sexual attraction. It's not something I ever really think about in my life. You know, I can think about sex if I turn my mind to it, but I won't be going about my day and suddenly have my attention drawn to sex or sexuality. Angela interviewed over 100 aces for her book. She wanted to understand the different elements of asexuality and find out what life is like for other asexuals. I think I really learned on this visceral level just how how diverse these experiences are. Interviewing so many people and learning so much about their different backgrounds or the different things they wanted or their different personalities, I think that really was helpful for me. While she discovered no two aces are the same, Angela did find some common ground among the aces she interviewed. I think it's that we don't centre sexual experience or sexuality in our lives, that we centre other things and we view the world in a different way. And here's where it gets tricky. Understanding asexuality, if you don't identify as asexual yourself, can lead a person down a lot of dead ends and misunderstandings. I think many people think that if you don't experience sexual attraction, that means that you don't want to have sex or you are averse to sex or you hate it. And that is definitely the case for some people who are ace. But there are other people who don't experience sexual attraction and they do have sex and they do enjoy sex. And so for them, it would never occur to them that they might be asexual. So for allosexuals, the impulse for sex is sexual attraction. What about for you? You know, I, I don't actually agree that for allosexuals, impulse for sex is sexual attraction. There's so many reasons to have sex that do not, that are not based in sexual attraction. And I think for people who are allo, it can be all of these other things and it can also be sexual attraction. And for myself and for many other aces, it can just be all those other reasons without necessarily having the sexual attraction component. I knew I was different, but I didn't know how or why and what that meant. Helen is 39 and she's only come to identify as asexual recently. But the signs were there. I never had those crazy teenage urges to have sex and my friends would be talking about it and I'd be like, but don't you want to just go down the shops and look at makeup and do girly things? (laughs) Like many aces, growing up, Helen felt pressure to be sexual. I just, did what I was supposed to do, and that was forcing myself to have sex. And I just figured that there was something maybe medically wrong or something sort of emotionally wrong that was stopping me from, you know, enjoying it and wanting to do it. In a past relationship, Helen put her partner's needs before her own. I was forcing myself to have sex with him to keep the relationship going and to keep him happy. And I wasn't looking after myself at all. I was looking after him. What's it like when you're having sex that you don't want to have? It's like having cockroaches crawl over all over you. You know, it's, it's like you want to be close to this person and you love them and all that kind of thing. But, yeah, it's, it's really hard to go through it when you don't, your body just doesn't want to. Yeah, it's it's really, really hard. But as I got older, I 
you know, came to the realisation that I don't need to force myself to do something I don't want to do and I don't need to force my body to feel something that it doesn't feel. Eventually, Helen found some representation that helped her understand herself. I just knew that something was there or happening or I just didn't know what it was and it was a television show that sort of opened my eyes to the possibility of being an asexual in a long-term relationship. After years of feeling like a misfit, seeing an asexual character on TV was a game changer for Helen. And in case you're wondering, the show was Everything's Gonna Be Okay, written by Aussie Josh Thomas. For the first time in my life, I feel like I know myself now and my sexuality and I am comfortable with that label if I want to give myself that label. Helen now identifies as a bisexual, grey sexual. A grey sexual is someone who is asexual but still occasionally has sex. See, I told you it was a spectrum. Helen's been with her long-term partner, whom she adores, for eight years. At the start of their relationship, they were very active. It was great. We had sex all the time. Despite banging like an amateur djembe player at their first confest in those lusty early days, Helen knew enough about her patterns of sexual attraction from previous relationships to be able to make a prediction. I did say to him at the beginning, look, I'm not a highly sexual driven person, so go with it when it's good, but do expect it to slow down and become you know, less and less often. Helen and her partner stopped having sex over two years ago. I would be happy to never have sex again. That's not never have sex with him, it's just have sex in general. I recognise that I don't have a high sexual desire and my partner has a very high sexual desire and it means a lot to him to be able to do that, where it means a lot to me not to do that. In Helen's relationship, her need not to have sex is just as valid as her partner's need for sex. But understanding this was a long and sometimes painful process. Last year, they negotiated a solution. So we've come to an agreement that he can have sex with other people. I was feeling like I can't give him what he needs, feeling the pressure all the time and... It wasn't desperation as such, but it was just a way for me to work out how we could move forward in a way that would suit us both. So has that worked out okay? The best thing that we could have done was have this discussion and talk about, you know, what are we going to do next? Uh, We don't want to break up. So we went with sex workers first, mainly because it was less emotional and it was just a way of us sort of testing the waters. And it was my my idea and my suggestion to do that. Do you experience anything that could be called jealousy? Of course. It's weird because I'm not having sex with him, but I do get jealous of him having sex with someone else. So for a lot of people, sex is a way to connect with someone, particularly their partner. For you too, does physical intimacy still play a part in your relationship? Yeah, it does. So we hold hands 
um, when we're falling asleep. We still kiss. Our intimacy is more about hanging out with each other at home, sitting on the couch together, just being near each other. How does it feel to be asexual in a world that is obsessed with sex? Uh, it's it's horrible. It's it's everywhere. You know, like even listening to podcasts where they talk about you know women should you know do this and do that with themselves and buy this vibrator and you know do all those kinds of things and and you know I kind of go well you know what you don't have to if you don't want to. <laughs> Sex in itself is fine and it's great and people should do it but it should also be something that we choose to do and not be forced to do because that's what society tells us to do. This pressure to be sexual has a name. Compulsory sexuality. It's the idea that every normal, healthy adult human experiences sexual attraction. This is author Angela Chen. You see it when so many aces say that when they talk about being ace, people are convinced that, oh, it's a medical issue or you haven't found the right person or you just you, you just need to work on yourself and overcome your shame. There's so many attempts to explain away sexuality, to make it not exist in its own right as a part of natural human variation, but instead to position it as the undesirable side effect of something else. And I think that those are all facets of compulsory sexuality. And here is where I get the feeling that maybe in my life I've been part of the problem. If all human sexuality sits on a scale, then of course some people are going to be at the end of the scale where not much horizontal refreshment is wanted or needed. I think there's a strain of sex positivity that almost turns into sexual pressure. So it's not just sex is good if you want it. It's the idea that you know, all people are naturally horny. All women are naturally horny. Sex is the best thing. If you don't want sex, it's because the patriarchy has brainwashed you or, you know, it's you're not good enough of a feminist. And that's not all of sex positivity, but that is a message that a lot of people receive. And when being ace comes into contact with this kind of mutated form of sex positivity, then that just leads you to endlessly question, you know, why am I like this? Am I just childish? Do I need to work on myself? Do I need to take drugs? And I don't think you need to be ace to sometimes feel this pressure that a truly quote unquote liberated woman would be out there having casual sex and you know, defying female stereotypes. Sex positivity is good, but sexual pressure masquerading as sex positivity is not good. People don't understand asexuals. They're like, I just don't get how you couldn't want to have sex. And I'm like, that's funny because I don't understand how you can have sex. Meet Elise. She's 35 and identifies as an aromantic asexual or arrow ace. I don't have sexual attraction to people and I don't have romantic attraction to people either. The other women we've met in this episode do want to be in romantic relationships. Elise doesn't. What Elise has in common with the other women is that as a teen, she felt out of step with her peers. Growing up, everyone kind of starts to discover their own kind of sexual identities, whether it's the default or otherwise, but I never really had that and I didn't have any kind of of those feelings that the world tells you that you should be having. 
online, stumbling onto the words asexual and aromantic was what kicked off the revelation for release. I found this label and what it was and just kind of fit and it kind of just covered all of the things that had previously just been unknown. The feeling of relief because it's suddenly it's not being broken and alone, it's knowing that there is a label. Elise has never had a romantic or sexual relationship. A big thing she finds hard about being Arrowace is that the world isn't set up for singles. When we talk about relationships, we automatically assume romantic relationships when they're not the only type of relationship, but there are other types of relationships that just don't have that kind of focus. It's hard because it reaches a certain point in your life where the world kind of starts to pair off and then the world is built for couples. And then it's actually very hard to try and exist as a single person. Like who puts your emergency contact or if something goes wrong, who are you going to call? Who's going to drop you off when you have to go to the hospital or, you know, that kind of thing. Trying to find that can be hard. My life would be easier if I was not asexual. It would be easier if I was not aromantic. It would be so much easier if I could go into a world that was built for that kind of lifestyle, that I could find someone partner up with them and we could build a little fort and life together. To help other asexual people navigate the loneliness of a romantically paired up world, Elise started a group called Australian Asexuals. A lot of people have like private messaged going, I feel, you know, I felt broken and alone. And some people have just been this utter fear of like, what do I do now? I think it's relief in identifying something, but then trying to work out what that means and how that fits into our world. Author of ACE, Angela Chen, says there's a misconception that asexual people are broken. It's really common. And sometimes the idea is that people need to be fixed, you know, in a medical sense with drugs or, you know, psychological therapy, or they just need to try harder to, you know, enjoy this thing that everyone's supposed to enjoy. That's a really strong undercurrent that many ACEs feel both externally. And sometimes we think that about ourselves. Sometimes we think maybe they're right. Maybe we just should try harder. I felt broken. I felt like there was something wrong with me fundamentally inside. Samantha's 28 and what is called a demisexual. She feels sexual attraction, but only after forming a deep emotional connection with a person. She's happily married to her husband of three years and they enjoy regular sex. But before she went to uni, Samantha had never even been on a date. I was actually feeling pretty uncomfortable with how inexperienced I was. At that point, I also, I'd never kissed anyone. So I started dating someone fairly early on in uni. And we, we dated for a couple of months and I had my first kiss with him, which was very confusing because I was so, so excited to have kind of reached that milestone and crossed that bridge. But it was awful and I hated it. And I had what I, what I like to call a full body no experience where I just, just no, like I didn't like it. It wasn't necessarily revolting or anything. I just didn't feel anything. And that was very confusing for your first kiss. Wow. So your lips made contact with his lips and your entire body said no. In kind of the same way that you might feel if someone offered you food you didn't want, like you knew you just wouldn't like it, 
kind of that same feeling. Like I wasn't grossed out. I was just kind of like, "Mm, no, not for me. After her full body no, unsurprisingly, Samantha broke up with that guy. She met someone else online and really liked him. But when they met in real life, she experienced the same visceral reaction. Which was heartbreaking because I really liked him. And actually after that first date, I I cried the entire way home because I, I was actually starting to feel broken. I was starting to feel like there was something fundamentally wrong with me because I couldn't have these experiences that everyone else seemed to be having. Samantha met the person who eventually became her husband while they were both at school. And like school kids do, they lost touch. But years later, they reconnected online just before Samantha moved overseas. They spent those months apart really getting to know each other. And we became really close and it started to get that kind of flirty edge to the conversation. And then it started to come like we close to when I would be coming back to Australia. And I started panicking because I was really afraid that I would have another full body no and that it wouldn't work and that I would have to really hurt him. So to take the pressure off herself, Samantha insisted they go on a non-date. Luckily, it went really well. We hit it off. I had a little bit of butterflies and I really liked him and I didn't get a, a no experience. So that was really good. And then um, we went on our first date shortly after that. Samantha, in amongst all this building up um, mm. of, sh- you know, sharing personal information and getting yeah. to know each other, did you tell him about how you sort of have gone sexually up until now? Not really. I think like he knew I wasn't very experienced. Though so for like a good three months um, into a dating I actually would get kind of nauseous whenever things got really sexual. So we kind of, we had to work through that. And he was just incredibly patient waiting for me to be, to be ready to take that step. And now we are having wonderful sex. Samantha had been with her husband for a couple of years before she discovered the term demisexual. So I think I came across it on Pinterest the first time. You occasionally feel sexual attraction, but it's specific to demisexuals, to people you have an emotional connection first. So you, you have to have that base level friendship to reach sexual level relationship. Uh, it was like a light bulb moment, which is terribly cliche, but it was so gratifying to know that I was not alone, that I was not broken, that I was in fact normal. And it was amazing to have, to know that there was a community out there of people like me. So from what you're telling me, you don't have a kind of random scattergun sexual attraction to people. Is that right? God, no, I can't even imagine what that would be like. When people would ask me, what's your like celebrity crush or celebrity person that you would be interested in that way? I'm like, um, uh, Frodo from Lord of the Rings, like he has nice hair and he seems like a nice guy. Wow. That, yeah, that's a true story. I, I, I didn't understand it. Like, yeah, <laughs> just to this day, I'm pretty sure that's fake, right? Like you can't just like get attracted to a stranger. <laughs> yeah, you can. You definitely oh, can. Okay. But not Frodo. He's off limits. Samantha, you wrote to us here at Ladies We Need to Talk saying you guys need to do an episode on being asexual, grey or demisexual or all of those. To hear an episode like this when you were younger, what would that have meant to you? Oh, my gosh, it would have meant everything. It would have meant 
that I would have missed out on a lot of pain because it it would have uh, made me feel like I wasn't alone, that I wasn't broken, and that I had a whole community out there to support me if I needed it. Like Samantha, Helen also got in touch with Ladies We Need to Talk asking us to do an episode on asexuality. It's something so rarely talked about in mainstream media or on TV or in podcasts like this one. So we're sorry it took us so long and we appreciate the nudge. If listening to this episode has brought on your own light bulb moment, checking out the Asexuals Australia website might be a great place to start learning more about what it means to be asexual. And wherever you sit on humanity's great big spectrum of experience, you're not broken. And no, you don't need fixing. You may just be a Frodo-sexual. <laughs> just kidding! I'm just kidding. I don't think that's real. Oh, my God, it is real. <laughs> yes, I just looked it up. It's a male whose personal style evokes a hobbit. <laughs> Every pot has a lid, ladies. This podcast was produced on the lands of the Turrbal, Gundungara, Bidjigal and Gadigal peoples. Ladies We Need to Talk is mixed by Anne-Marie de Betancourt. It's produced by Tamar Kranswick. Supervising producer is Alex Lolback. And our executive producer is Kyla Slavin. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. Did you know Australia has one of the highest rates of cosmetic surgery per capita in the world? We're nipping, tucking and injecting like our faces and asses are goddamn Christmas hams. And the brand new ABC podcast, Face Value, wants to know why. Is it the patriarchy? Is it because we hate Christmas but really like ham? Maybe Instagram's to blame? Or could it be what I've always suspected? It's the fault of the Kardashians. It's brainwashing women to hate themselves for money. And it's just so toxic. Trying to look like your Kylie Jenner for the rest of your life is just going to make you sad. You can find Face Value in the ABC Listen app or wherever you'd like to listen.